0: Alhamdulillah, بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب الله وسلم الله رحمة الله للعالمين على آله وصحبه أجمعين رب الله الحمد back to our reading of riyad as-saliheen Alhamdulillah, from Sayyidina Imam an Nawi, rahimahullah ta'ala. SubhanAllah, one of the sanad uh, that I have in this book, actually uh, our teacher, Shaykh uh, Abdurrahman Kittani, he died just yesterday uh, in Fez. Alhamdulillah, he was really a, a nice person, very genu- gen- genuine. You know, I really enjoyed uh, a short time I was able to, to read to him and uh, you know, SubhanAllah, as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, like, you know, the ulama, their death will be like from signs of the t- end of time. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to uh, bless him and bless his family, confess, it's a tremendous loss. Um, incredible person even in his 80s and 90s you know one thing you learn from teachers you learn how to be and how not to be from teachers never forget that if you go into thinking the only thing I'm gonna learn from a teacher is how to be good you're gonna get let down because one of the things that you have to learn from people is how they fail that's very important except the Prophet ﷺ, he's ma'asum and that challenges sometimes the narrative you know that's out there in the boy band girl girl band Sheikh relationship, which is very dangerous. But just like we learn from our parents, how to, how to love and how to fight. Right, It's true. We learn really from our parents how to navigate sometimes very difficult situations. So also from any teacher, you, you not only want to learn, you don't want to be romanticizing it. And then also it's not fair to the teacher because what happens is Then when the teacher makes a mistake, I'm done, I'm out of here. You know, like, well, you set yourself up for failure. So, uh, you know, one thing I learned from him, I learned good things from him, so just as a prerequisite, but it's just the wisdom i want to share with you in 30 years of seeking knowledge. To this day, I still read to a sheikh, like at least three times a week. So what I've seen in my own growth and the growth of others, especially in America, where Islam is very much imagined, studying overseas and sitting with the ulama and, you know, being around the mashaykh. And that lends itself to a false sense of reality. That's why Imam Aliq said, you, you'll never complete your studies till you study with someone else. Like if you're around someone and they're saying, you can only study with me, that's a problem. They are teaching you how not to be. Imam Ibn Jozi said, I never saw anyone more jealous than shuyukh when they would see their students studying with someone else right that would inflame them but teachers don't own students they don't have that kind of relationship with them but with Sheikh Abdul Rahman Kattani i saw someone subhanallah as my own father now sits in the hospital i just found out again just got a phone call made for him that even in his 80s man and his father Sheikh Abdul Hayy al Kattani was really an incredible scholar of handwritten documents as well as Isnant, was still worried about his father's legacy. So when I went to Fez and I went to visit him, I had to wait because he spent the whole day in his late 80s, early 90s, in the court fighting for his father's books that the government had taken. Like that's birru that's Walidain. Like that's not forgetting who your father was who your parents are, the legacy that you have inherited. And then as I, as I sat with him, I told him at that time I was you know, working at NYU and I taught a class and he was like, are there any of my father's like, books there? Have they, you know, the colonialists, have they somehow managed to steal you know, something that belongs to my father? And then he, he brought a document to me that was a microfiche, uh, which I had not seen in you know, decades, man. And it was about his father from a university here. And he was like, can you translate this for me? I want to know what they're saying about my father. And I was like moved, like, like his father's gone, man. Like his father's been gone for years. But he still has like, and it tells you also what kind of father he was. That because many people in the community were not loved by our fathers, We're not loved by our mothers. And that's something that should be talked about. We're traumatized by our parents. But he was obviously invigorated to be like Mohsin well after his father's passing and I, you know, as I talked to him I, I thought about وَكَانَ أَبُوهُمَا صَالِحَا نَصُلْتَ كَافَ like even though they were orphans things were taking care of them because their fathers were righteous it's also a reminder to me I have three daughters and one son as fathers to really make sure we are there for our children as his father, Sheikh Abdul Hai, was for his son, uh, Sheikh Abdul Rahman. So I just remember that was one like really nice thing that I saw. Like someone who's a great great grandfather is living for his father, like towards the end of his own life. So may Allah subhanahu wa taala, uh, you know, reward him and bless him and increase him. Uh, and Khair, it's an incredible family. If you're from Morocco, look up the Kitanis, You'll find a lot of information. Uh, about them and the knowledge that they have and the asaneed and so many you know, wonderful things that require us to work so people say like oh you went there for Baraka." no I went there to get busy that's another thing in the United States everybody wants to get like Ooh, spooky I wasn't there for that I, was there, I only went to read the muatta and then luckily everything worked out but like I wasn't there just to be like burning incense and drinking tea man. I could do that here I came for a certain reason. So I appreciated that about him and that in the short you know, hours that we were able to spend with him, we were able to, by Allah's grace, you know, accomplish some things. Imam Ibn Hajar used to read from Dhuhr to Maghrib, the Sunan of Abi Dawud to his Shaykh. Nowadays we can watch TikTok from Dhuhr to Maghrib. That's why we are the way we are. Because we work for dunya, how we should work for akhirah And we work for Akhirah, how we should work for the dunya. So that takes us to this hadith Alhamdulillah. And this is the 20th hadith. And this hadith is from Abi Said Al-Khudri Radiallahu anhu. Abi Said Al-Khudri Sa'ad ibn Madik uh, ibn Sinan he was from the people of Medina, the, tribe, the Khazraj tribe he was one of the youngest Sahabi he was very young and he died around like 64 after Hijri, so that tells you like, he was quite young when he embraced Al-Islam and he's buried in Baqi some, some historians they say he died like 70 after Hijri but the strong opinion is 64 and most like many of the scholars say Like He was one of the most knowledgeable of the younger companions of the Prophet and what you'll notice inshallah in the future when we continue to read this book is like you'll always hear that Canat min afqaha nisa kana min afqaha this one is more knowledgeable. This one's more knowledgeable for women. This one's more knowledgeable amongst the youth. This one's more knowledgeable amongst the old people. This one's so that means that the Prophet wasallam, being in his presence has a value. And that the Prophet wasallam, by being around him, people benefited from him. And the more they were around him, the more they benefited from him. And that's what the hadith of Sayyidina Rasul when they ask him, "Ayu جُلَسَأُنَا Like, who's the best people to sit with? This is a good hadith. Sayyidina Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, whoever increases you in their speech, in knowledge. And their actions increase your awareness of the hereafter. And they themselves remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we find that the people that were closest to the Prophet were the most beneficial that's why I said to you before when you study the science of hadith you not only study the the text but you see things like this the people around Sayyidina Rasul brought the most benefit to society now you and I as we locate ourselves as Muslims In a society whose centers are our margin, And our margins are their centers, right? We have to think about it in that way. And then how do we formulate ourselves to be in a place to benefit? So the closer we are to learning the seerah, the life of the Prophet, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, of course the Quran, the goal should be to benefit. (laughs) خَيْرُ النَّاسِ مَنْ the hadith of Sayyidina Imam Al-Bukhari Prophet said the best people are those who benefit people سَعِيدٍ al رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ he was from the youngest of those who embraced Islam and here also we see the entry points for youth in the community right, they're strategic entry points and not only are they like, they're not tokenized, they learn Like they they contribute. Biggest challenge I think we face in this country I know this is a nonprofit so let me say I'm talking about myself is we have a geriatric political political representation. No disrespect to old folks because old people have a role to play but where's the opportunity for you know younger leadership? Our own nonprofits. Muslim American organizations are largely ran by people, largely men of certain ethnic groups that are like not really representative of who we are as a community. So they're not able to lead in a dynamic way. And that's the challenge. The Prophet وسلم, people enter into the community, they're not tokenized. They gain foundational knowledge, some of them even excel beyond that, and then they are contributing from their own talent pool. Like Hassan Ibn Thabit is a poet, he embraces Islam, he, he stays a poet. He just shifts the style of poetry. right? Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid, he's a master at warfare, he embraces Islam, he redirects that towards what's beneficial. Some of them were writers, they could write, they would embrace Islam, no more nasty poetry. They became writers of the Qur'an. So Islam, and this is very important for those of us who have embraced Islam, because for those of us who embraced Islam, this is very important for you to know. And this is not said to <coughs> attack anybody, it's just a reality. For us, Islam is about transformation, not culture. Islam is not seen as something which is frozen in a cultural sort of epic. Islam is seen as something on the heels of Malcolm that is transformative, that that demands change. So the the Sahaba are able to embrace Islam and then weld that with their existing talent and then redirect it. That's why Imam uh, Ibn Taymiyyah has a great quote. He said, Islam did not come to destroy culture, Islam came to polish it, came to refine it. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ said, الناس المعدن. People are metals. In order to get metal, what do we have to do? We have to dig deep into the earth, we have to go pan in the river, and we have to filter. And then we have to engage that metal, and then you have to burn the metal to get to what's really valuable. And so that beautiful narration of the Prophet, sallallahu encapsulates what it means to be a community member. To find my own medal. There's a nice line by Kendrick Lamar, and don't take this the wrong way. I got kids. He's like, look into my heart, you'll find gold, you might get rich. Right? The song is no song anyone should be listening to. But the, the line is, is in line with the idea of, and I'm sure I misquoted it, is, is in line with the idea of a nasul ma'ad and people are like metal. You gotta look, you gotta be patient, you have to engage, you gotta get a little dirty, you gotta canvas. So, Abu Sa'id al Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu is a young Muslim that has entry point into the community, not just to be entertained, but to be educated and then to become part of the community. And the Prophet does this in ways that are remarkable. Sayyidina Umar is the one who saw the dream of the Adhan, but he's not the Mu'adhan. Why? That's not his talent. This is management. Even though Sayyidina Omar has a lot of social utility, and even financial utility, he saw, he's one of the two people who saw the Adhan in his dream, neither of them were the ones who saw the call to prayer in their dream, neither of them became those who called to prayer. Why? Because that's not what they're good at. Who becomes the Mu'adhan? People with the best voice. It's It's not rocket science. It's not about who writes checks. Nonprofit should be P-R-O-P-H-E-T. If we're only working for the F-I-T-S, it is indeed non-profit, and that's why I challenge nonprofits in this country: Are there underserved people on your board? Are there people who are struggling financially on your board? Is your board really made up of not only the donors? But the loaners. Not only the people that can write checks, but the people at Fajr. Is it representative of? Because that's what the Prophet did. And the fact that our boards are largely led by the 1% is a sign that we love dunya. It's not about risala. So Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu and this is why the last few weeks we talked about the miraculous nature of prophets and that they're free of mistakes because this hadith is going to challenge everyone on if, you, if you interpret Islam through the political left or right this hadith is going to have you in trouble if we were to take the nomenclature of the political right or the political left in America there would be no sahabi It would all be cancelled I'll give an example the, the family of the Prophet, they would be counted. Why? Because this is nepotism. The left would not tolerate that in its more uh, aggressive form. Omar, with his past, oh no, it's not happening. Um Habiba, her father, Abu Sufyan, not happening. The political right, Bilal, are you serious? He's, a, he's an immigrant. How could he be part of this club? Right, so that would tell you now the dangers of uncritically thinking or applying any political nomenclature to religion without thinking about it critically and pushing back with religion because this hadith is gonna force us to do that because it's, it's gonna challenge us man and that's a good thing if my relationship with the Quran and my relationship with the Prophet is only that they are Bashir I'm failing in that relationship I should be antagonized by the Quran I should be challenged by prophethood I should be compelled to integrate my, uh, interrogate myself when I look at the Book of Allah. This is a mistake that people think, you know, I read the Qur'an and I just didn't feel good. didn't change something. Right? Like, I read the Qur'an and like, you know, I was expecting whoever worships a feeling, worships a feeling. But this is not a trip to like, you know, Midnight Cupcakes or whatever that place is in Georgetown. This is not that. This is about transformative relationship. A transformative relationship means that I am opting into either or and so that's why we would find the Sahaba at at, at times they will read the Qur'an and become happy and there were times when they would read the Qur'an and become invigorated but there were times that they would read the Qur'an and weep so the Qur'an and the Hadith of the Prophet and our relationship with the Prophet is not only about feeling good this is not a Netflix Mini series that were like rating, they're going to be things that challenge us. I remember when I, before I became Muslim, when I, I read the Quran, I was like, man, these people don't play, boy. Like, this is like grandma on the porch type Oklahoma religion. Like, right? I was like, man, this is scary. I got to give up bacon? You know, like, yeah. And that's why we locate in Tasawwuf our, our path on Surat al Mustaqeen is between adornment and removal like when you, when you sit in front of a mirror certain things I gotta, I gotta I gotta pluck gotta shave, gotta line up, gotta fade it but then there's other things I, I can apply so Abu Said al-Khudri radiallahu anhu we're going to share a hadith which may challenge us and it's interesting that this hadith is on the chapter of repentance But in many ways, the lesson here is not about repentance, although it's glaringly there, but it's also, and there's a great article this week in the New York Times just a few days ago on the importance of forgiveness. And that in some ways, America has located itself as a society that can't forgive. And that has repercussions. As we get older, you know, I'm not not there yet, I'm about to say, as an old person, as an older person, to tell you, man, forgiveness is an important tool to have. I'm not telling you you have to forgive people, that's your business. Allah, that's between you and you don't, you're not obligated to forgive anybody, by the way. We'll talk about it in the future. Allah forgives who he wants. We should never force people to forgive others. That's their business. But there are certain things like Nowadays nobody lets slide that like you know somebody didn't like my post man like that's 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 like that's not a crime right? it's just a decision so an abi sa'id sa'ad ibn malik ibn sinan al-khudri radiyallahu an Anna Nabi. you can say inna إن or anna either one of them is fine anna nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we talked about what is Nabi. Nabi means a prophet, from the word in news or nabwa, honor or both. It's called ishtiraq. And it's a word that has more than one meaning. And usul al-fiqh is a very important chapter. Because sometimes scholars may differ, what does the word mean here? Like for example the word in the hadith, dubar As salah. Whoever makes dua, as salah, their dua is accepted. I saw somebody, subhanAllah, on, of course, on social media, saying it's a bid'ah, what the Hanafis do after salah, they gather and they make dua. Ya salam, yani. Now we're at the point, we're telling people dua is bid'ah. Like, afala ta'qilun, dua. But then why? Unfortunately, maybe the person, you know, good person, sincere. But maybe they, they failed to recognize that the word dubur or dubur either way is kalima mushtalaka. It has more than one meaning. So for example, does dubur mean a salah before I give salam, the end of salah? Or does it mean the end after salam? For those fuqaha they said it means before Salaam. Dubar as sala Yani Akhir as Sadat al ahnaf And imagine the danger of saying this is bidah. So you're saying the whole Hanafi madhab and all the Ulama of the Hanafis are Ahlu Bida. And this is, this is the danger of this methodology, the methodology of ignorance. Because it makes Muslims turn on themselves. So now you have no one to trust. Like that's, that's a bigger danger. Su'udhan bil-Muslimin wa bil-Ulama having a bad suspicion of everybody. So, Salat al-Ahnaf, and that's why it's funny, if anyone studied this mas'ala, this issue, the same hadith, <laughs> right? The Maliki is going to say, Dubra Salah, al-Ahnaf says, Dubra Salat al-Shafi' Dubra <laughs> They're all using the same hadith to prove two different points. That's the richness, the layering. That, what's happening, is called, there's different meanings, different tones, different feelings that can come from the one word itself so it's not bidah. فَسَيْدْنَا أَبِي سَعِيدْنَا الْخُدْرِي رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ ibn إِبْنِ مَالِكِ بِالْسِنَانِ السِّنَانِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ he says أَنَّ نَبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ وَسَحْهِ and I told you before in Balagha, Rhetoric Rhetoric is one of the most important subjects you can study if you're serious about this that's why Imam al his book is called Miftahul Ulum. His book is called Miftahul Ulum, The opening to all the no- knowledges it starts with first, tasrif, morphology. Before grammar. Me, I teach my students, sarf before grammar. Because you don't speak Arabic, you don't even know about grammar. We don't even know English grammar very well. Like, throw Beowulf out. We'd be like, ugh. we can even handle Nas, let alone Beowulf. Number two is what? Nahu grammar. The third ilm he teaches, Ilmu balagh Those three he called miftahul uloom. Sheikh Abdurrahman Hijazi, great scholar, great professor, and Ezra, used to tell me. If you master the language, every science is easy for you. Everything's easy. That's why Ibn Madiq said, Wa al ma yuhkim A poem he wrote about morphology. He said, If you spend just a little time, it's not hard. It's not hard. I don't like how we teach people in America, like, this is impossible. You'll never be able to do it. You're just a bunch of, you know, simpletons. It's irresponsible teaching. Invigorate the people, encourage the people. You don't know who's out there. Listen, they may be the next, she may be the next great intellectual. He may be the great next great scholar to impact the people. Don't beat the people down. We're already beat down with Islamophobia. We're already dealing with all that. You know, beat us down more with our own deen. I mean, the, the deen is meant to revise us. So, he says whoever masters you know, these things, Ibn nomadic, every, every door opens for them. And language becomes easy for them. Why does he say anna or inna? I told you this before. This is from rhetoric. The word inna, and then you read it a lot in the Qur'an. is translated really strangely in English as surely. Like you read it Quran like surely, surely. <laughs> when I first, be, before I became Muslim, I was like, surely, surely. It's like, God, I, don't, I don't talk like this. Like, you know, I started coming home. My mom's like, where have you been? Surely. I have been on campus. You know, she's like, why do you talk like that? I was like, I'm reading Yusuf Ali. God bless him. But the reason it's used is called jumla. Al-talabiya. When you think the person listening to you may doubt what you're about to say. Or if the person believes you, you want to encourage them, like yeah you got it like in the mawchood. So when Abu Sa'idn al-Khudri is saying this, you can appreciate his precision in language, his precision in the riwayah. That what I'm about to narrate is very serious. What I'm about to share with you, pay attention to. So he says, رضي الله عنه أن صلى الله عليه وسلم قال, The Prophet said, yes, The Prophet said, there was a man before you who killed 99 people. And here, of course, he's talking about Bani Isra'il. This man was from the followers of Sayyidina Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, up until the time of Sayyidina Isa, alayhi salatu wasalam. Killed 99 people. Lenin killed around 8 million people. Hitler and Mussolini killed around 40 million people. This guy, got, he got nothing on them. Hiroshima in one day, the war on terror. Quote, unquote. How many people were killed? So he said, there was a man before you, and the community before you. And we talked about how the shara, man qabalana is shara'una. We talked about this before in the other hadith about the guys locked in the cave. We talked about this evidence that's used by the Malikis in particular, that I can talk about, that the sharia of those before us is our sharia. But we explained what that means. The, 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 the rulings from previous religions, like here Judaism and Christianity in particular, if authenticated, right, they are accepted as part of our Sharia. That's important for you to tell Islamophobes, like, man, like, really? Like, we have, we actually have the evidence about the Sharia of, of y'all. Like, so when you hate our Sharia, you actually hate what? Your Sharia. That's how you get them. But there's, of course, a caveat, and that is that uh, we don't look to their Sharia for that. It has to be mentioned in our Sharia and then found in their Sharia. You understand? So you invert it. I've seen and I mentioned before, sometimes people in interfaith, they get that little confused. So it has to be first sourced from revelation and then reflected on. But as a principle, when people say, you know, that that movement kind of died down now because they got more problems but, but, you know, 10-12 years ago it was like the anti-sharia mob, right? You try to tell them, like, you actually sort of maybe fighting your own sharia, you know. So here, this is what this hadith is. It's about the community that came before us. The story of someone who came before us. And I think one, th- one thing that's very contextually important about this is that the Prophet some society was a society of murder. So this is a very therapeutic hadith. It offers it offers a lot. And we know that murder was common in the pre prophetic society as well as like even early on as a Prophet. It's because Allah says oftentimes in the Quran don't I- associate partners with Allah. Those who don't associate partners with Allah and those who kill. So oftentimes, shirk and murder are together. And we know that idolatry was extremely common, so we can in, infer from this that also murder was common. So this hadith is not coming out of, in a vacuum, and that's why it's important for religious leadership to speak to the issues of where they are we cannot just be anachronistic in our approach towards religion the tradition is not meant to be lived in the past the tradition is meant to inspire us to live t- for now and tomorrow so he said the Prophet wasallam said كان في من كان قبلكم رجل تسعة وتسعين this man he killed 99 people this is a very interesting point and I talked about this before We know, uh, you know, at that time I I was farther up north, and the call of Black Lives Matter and others around I can't breathe, and the absence of really a Muslim voice within, say, mainstream Islam that spoke to that. But I want you to remember this point, if you're a serious student, that the Arabs name things by what they do a great example is a sayara what does Sayar mean? Usiru what do you call the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? because you follow his life you follow him it's not called you know you can say in fact you can not Al-Qisas Qisas means to follow Fartada ala atharihim Qasasah you sort of so when you read the story of someone, you follow them. So the Arab, Arabs would name things by what they, what they do, or what their goal is. So what does nafs mean? What does it mean? How do you translate that? To what? To breathe. So the Arabs, in Islamic culture, Islamic theology, they didn't call it shakhs, personality, we call human beings by what their primary function is What's the primary function central to the existence of every human being is to breathe and we didn't say anything about I can't breathe but that's what we call human beings by breath you can f- learn more about this in a book called Dalalatul Ijaz by Shayna Shaykh al-Georjani Rahimullah Arabs name things the Quran does this it calls things by what it does to keep it centered, we talk about centering, right, well, if you call something about what it does, it's primary function. There you go. I'll give some examples. What do Arabs call gold? ذهب why? What does ذهب mean? Went, because your gold ain't going to stay with you, man. Look, look at the language. What do they call silver? Fidda infaddu. What does it infaddu mean? To perish? To disperse? To leave you? What do they call wealth? Al Mal, why? You <laughs> milwank. Where 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 are where is our engagement with our religious vocabulary to speak on these issues now? If you're a muqallid to the point that you shut your brain off, then don't get into religious service not in issues of ijtihad, that's a different issue of course but on contemporary thought what do we call our God? Allah, why? because Allah is something that you can never grasp it for those who take that opinion or something that has to be worshipped because of its transcendence so here nafs Allah doesn't say وَلَا تَقْتُولُ شَخْسًا He said, وَلَا nafsalati نَفْسًا لَتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إلا بِالْحَقِّ Don't kill what breathes because the primary function of human beings and now if you think about what I told you you should have a really interesting relationship Quran with Quran after this every time you come across a verse you can stop and say what does that mean? what does that mean? what does that mean? so then you're getting layers of the meaning now you're not just getting the translation, you're getting the layer. The word Qur'an is a great example. What does Qur'an mean? To bring together. That's why you call a village what? Qariya. Because the Qur'an should make us, Oh, no, brother, it means to recite. Slow your roll, man, Sunday school. I understand. That's, that's one opinion. But the strong opinion is that it's Qur'an because in the Quran a menstrual cycle is three because the blood does what? it gathers together in the uterus so the Quran should make me whole so language affords me the opportunity to set my path in my relationship so if I understand the Quran is meant to make me whole I'm not just going to read it for Barakah I'm going to read it to be whole so here he says, تسع This dude killed ninety-nine people. That's a lot of people, but not compared to the war on terror. Say so he killed ninety-nine people. فسألَ أن أعلم أهل الأرضِ. And so he started to ask, "Who's the most knowledgeable person?" Somebody may ask, "How could you kill ninety-nine people and then look for someone?" I can say this man, people are complex man, (laughs) you know, very rarely are people like, not complex people have complexities and maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him ilham for us to learn this moment this is a teachable moment now فَسَأَلَ أَنْ أَعْلَمْ أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ He began to ask who's the most knowledgeable person? and we understand, he asked like a lot it wasn't just once, but it's mentioned here like this Fadullah ala rahibin. Fadullah is the passive passive tense. Somebody directed him from the word dalil. Same word as dalil. And if fadallah ala rahibin. That's what it means here. Fadullah ala rahibin somebody. And and the passive is used in rhetoric sometimes for different reasons. I don't know. Like so, our kids do this all the time. You know, yesterday I heard this pow in the bathroom. The big water pot, that water pot spilled all over the floor. Asked my three-year-old, who did it? (laughs) It fell, (laughs) right? We become masters of the passive. Just watch (laughs) C-SPAN. Whenever you see hearings, people get, get good at using Passive tense, nobody wants to take accountability. In writing, I used to hate it. In, the, in university, when I'm grading papers, I'm like, golly, please no, please no. please no. Take accountability. Speak for yourself. Don't try to hide your language. But here, it beca- it is maybe it's not important for us to know who it was. And also, sometimes it's used to show talim of some, something so amazing, you don't want to say it something created human beings to give you a sense of awe, and sometimes it's used for to debase, like not even worth mentioning. something beautified for human beings this world in an unhealthy way. Who was that? shaytan shaitan. Shaitan made it nice for them. Here, Allahu Adam, it could be used to show like this person is not even worth mentioning because what they did is wrong. And here we learn something about community. When we're asked by somebody for resources, we have to make sure we direct them to the best possible resources we can. Because this individual directed this murderer to the wrong person. ala rahib. The word rahib means abid, yani somebody that's just a worshipper, it doesn't have any knowledge. Doesn't have a lot of knowledge, may have been a charismatic speaker, may have worn like cool clothes and had the oud and, you know, the shiny vaseline up face and the whole nine, like that all could have been there. God bless you, bro. But that is minbab s-suluk. You know, I heard this from Dr. Ali Juma, right? Certainly controversial. I remember he said one time, you know, how you dress and how you look and the style and the language. And I, I can say this. In in my experience, man, the most gifted, knowledgeable scholars I met are unknown, man. Because people can't swim those seas. Like Sheikh Abdul Ahmed except students of knowledge. Sheikh Abdul Aziz Fakhir, like nobody knows who that is. Abu Nur Zuhair nobody knows. But these were incredible, gifted academics, and also their style little 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 dense little distilled so fame as shohra doesn't necessarily mean someone's qualified just means they're famous and that's very hard nowadays man with social media it's very difficult to navigate like how do you know someone's qualified you ask them their qualifications if they get in their feelings it's probably a good sign that they're not qualified and when we talk about qualifications for religious service, that entails like four issues. Number one is the emotional, psychological maturity to do this work. It's very important. We talked about the hadith, remember earlier, of the man and his son who got into an argument and they went to the Prophet ﷺ to settle the dispute, how the Prophet ﷺ has the emotional maturity to navigate a son and father argument, you know, in front of him. And so that means that if someone's in religious vocation, the community has to afford them access to therapy, access to mental health resources, make sure they have time off, make sure they have vacation. When we see religious leadership being, like, ran like a rug at the front of the door, we have to step in and remind people, like, man, give, give the people some time to decalibrate. It's very important, and for yourself, when you demand that, you should demand that as something, because it's very important. Not only have Muslims had their own scandals within community, eight out of the ten most popular evangelical leaders I'm not saying this to make fun of evangelicals. It's painful. This is not something unique to e- any community. Eight out of the most pop, uh, eight out of ten of the most popular. We're talking about churches of seven thousand people, eight thousand people, twelve thousand people. Some of them had two hundred and ninety million podcasts listened a month. Fell into either financial uh, uh, impropriety, power dynamics that be- they became very like pharaonic. Right, they became like Pharaoh. Or uh, sexual impropriety with men or women. There's something wrong with the whole celebrity atmosphere that's tied to religion of giving people too much power and money. So this example that we're talking about here is very important. Now fame, as I mentioned earlier, most of the really great Teachers, right, I met even in the academy in this country. Doesn't mean you shy away from, from the opportunity to speak to people. Of course not. We, we don't want to go to another extreme. But don't get caught up in the fashion. Fadulla ala rahib. So somebody sent him to this pious person. He's a pious person. Doesn't mean he has knowledge. Pious person, they ain't, they ain't going to fade you up. Like, if I came to you, I was like, yo, man, you need to get a fade, right? You're like, I don't know, man. Who do you know? I know this real pious brother, mashallah, man. He can fade you up, bro. Really? Does he know how to cut hair? Nah, no, don't matter. Roy's pious, bro. Just like, he'll make zikr, he'll fade you up. You'll be fine. It's all good, man. You can, you know, his wife can thread your wife, whatever, you know. They, do they know about threading? Nah, but they're just really pious. You would not let, your, you would not let that happen. So why do we let that happen in religion? So it's, it's nothing wrong with asking people their credentials. And number one is, and this is a personal responsibility for religious leadership, that you have to be taking care of yourself, that you have to look after yourself, and that you have to stake, you have, we like to talk about push in, you have to push into your self-care if the community thinks you're a superhero. Because if not, eventually, God forbid, something's going to happen, you'll burn out, you know, in the most benign way, you'll burn out, you'll just be out of it, right? The second thing is, they need to be qualified, they need to have education. So how do you know that? Yes, well, where did you study? Eh, You know, I studied with some people. What does that mean, though? That's an ambiguous statement that has no meaning. No, no. who did you study with and where did you study? Could have been here. Oh, I went overseas. What do I mean you went overseas? People go, I was overseas yesterday, two days ago. I was in Edmonton, Canada. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's overseas? (laughs) This is over mountains, right? It's 40 degrees below zero over there. Looking for the Aurora Borealis. Again, we need to be very careful of ambiguity. I should be able to say, yeah, man, this is who I read with. This is who I study with. This is, you know, who who I accomplish myself with locally and abroad. Why did Azhar start the college system? Because the ijazah system became, became corrupted. Everyone was getting ijazas from everybody. So you go anywhere, can I have an ijazah? Sure! That person would take that ijazah and do what? Go back to a village and start to what? I'm Sheikh al-Islam. So the Azhar didn't create the college system because they wanted to become modernists. The college system was created to protect the Muslims from false teachers it's very important to know that until of course abdul Nasser came and things changed but the point is that's why that was done so there should be religious qualification specific to what they're talking about the third is that they should be sanctioned by the community and i think this is very important there should be community service right there, there, when i when i first became muslim in my time there was like a pipeline, you had to kind of go through a system. So like my teacher, I was memorizing the Qur'an with him, then he was like, okay, you go volunteer in that mosque and teach Al-Ibatatha. So that's what I did for for one year. Then he said, okay, now go over to this mosque and lead Taraweeh. So I went over there and did that while I was in college. He said, okay, now go be an imam in this mosque. And I remember he told me, don't do anything wrong, please. I said, I went to my best. I didn't really want to do it. I was like, I don't want to do this. He's like, no, do you have to. I was like, okay, fine. I'm Generation X. Not, we're not, you know, we had to do whatever we're told, you know, how we are. So we're Nirvana, not Coldplay. So I, I was forced. So I went there. I did it. I learned. And I would meet with him once a week. And he would ask me, like, what are the questions that you deal with? What are the situations? That are, what's going on? It was like residency, man. You know, it was, it was incredible. And I said to him, I have come to the conclusion that I am successfully unequipped to do this job." He's like, that means you're good for the job. <laughs> right? Yoda, that's lost now. Now you just open up a social media account, you look good, you got a nice fade, Zane Malik style, it's all good, baby. Just get some gold cool filters, you know, or whatever, you got a nice look, it's gonna be great. Nobody will ask you what you know. That's a problem, that's a problem. So there should be sanctioning about a community, like there should be an ability to appreciate the dynamics of the Muslim community. It, it's part of your training to understand that there are like 91 ethnicities, potentially in one mosque. And, and to deal with the elders and the youngsters and the, you know, all that, that's part of that process of being brought in. The fourth is that you have to continue your education after you think you finished, right? So there's never this like, I'm, I'm good, There's always a need to continue. The fifth, I'll add this, is that your local community takes presence over social media. It's easy to serve online because it doesn't have any really strings attached unless you do something remarkably stupid. Right? You go viral for a few weeks, okay, whatever, after that, halas, nobody's going, next, 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 who's up to bat, next, because people being bombarded every minute by algorithms that are pushing certain messages. I mean, you don't have any questions why all these UAE shoes suddenly starting to popping up in your Instagram account? You don't think that's being bought? They have no positions on politics, they have nothing to say about Palestine, they have nothing to say about the Haqq. You don't think that's, that's being manufactured, that's being curated for you? <coughs> what happened to the days of Siraj Wahaj, or abdel right? The days of people who were fearless and speaking truth and haq, now it's, you know, nice furry kitten Islam. Next to the cat video, it's cat Islam. Where's Malcolm? So you, you want to make sure that you serve your community in front of you, the people in front of you, more than you serve online. MSA, yeah, MSA, that's, that's your priority, who, who you're with. Because what happens, and sorry for the rants, because I'm, I'm going to take a few weeks off because next week I'm supposed to go to the World Cup. I just contradicted myself. <laughs> somebody got to talk to those soccer balls. right? Tell the Brazilians to take it easy on everybody. Uh, somebody got to talk to those non-drunk soccer people. Um, but also my father's sickness. I don't know, I'm going to be in and out, you know, uh, make do for him. But what I'm telling you may be very important. Because if you get into this field and you allow social media to determine your value, it will undermine your marriage. Same thing with traveling. I told my wife I came back. Man, I came home. My wife was like, Change the diapers. Can you make dinner? Island needs a bath. I'm like, I was just getting like, Yo, Imam, welcome to Canada. Here's some Tim Hortons, you know, and some wax sports teams, except hockey and. You know, out and, you know, all that cool stuff that comes with Canadians are so much nicer than us. Oh my God, they're like, they're like, you know, it's like you read warm people that used to be Americans who are not divided by political nomenclature to the point that they're all mean. And you go home and your wife's like, that diaper right there ain't been changed in like seven and a half hours, bro. I got a headache. I don't feel good. Handle it. That didn't happen, but I'm embellishing. But that don't, that's not what you get on social media, man. That's not what you're gonna get when you travel, so you have to make your family your centerpiece. That's that's really who you are. Dr. Sherman Jackson he say something I never forget it. He said to me, "When I go home, I'm Honey and Baba." Ain't Dr. Jackson? Not Fadila to I'm Honey and Baba, and he said, and I love it. So you want to make sure that if you're on social media, it's not to the point that it starts to just, you know intoxicate your sense of value because it will undermine your family, it will undermine your children, it will undermine your friendships, man. And that's why we find a lot of times influencers become very lonely people because it's impossible for you and me to sustain the attention that they're going to get through an algorithm. So this man was directed to Arahib, a worshiper, underqualified, totally un- unqualified person. But he looked good. That brother could worship, man. He had it going on. He said, Fa'atahu Faqal. Then he went to him. He went to him immediately because he was hungry. He was looking for tawbah. So he went to him. Faqal. He said to him, Indukath, <laughs> <laughs> so he went to be said. Somebody killed ninety-nine people. Can he repent? He said no. So he killed him. bihi mi'a. or Miya. Either way is correct. Mi'a with hamza or Miya with ya. There are in Quran. Abu Ja'far al-Madri مئة. The crowd مئة. فكمنا به and this is how we know that person's stupid why would you tell someone who, someone ask me you know if someone killed 10 people can they repent <laughs> absolutely <laughs> they can go to imam farhan and repent right now bye <laughs> right imam even told me this is from the etiquettes of the mufti that there are times and that's why i have to be patient why don't they say anything about these governments want that because there's an axiom that you don't have to answer a question if it will put you in danger you don't have to answer a question if it will put your family in danger People all the time blaming scholars What has anyone done for Sheikh Salman al-Awda? Where's the Ummah? Why to blame the Ummah? Sheikh Qaradawi's daughter was in prison in Egypt for no reason Where's the Ummah? Scholars, scholars, scholars I can list you, scholars that are in prison haven't been charged in 10 years Where's the Ummah? Because we're weak, and they're weak too That's the point so if we appreciate our weakness, then we can be realistic in our expectations, right? So he said, no, there's no repentance. He said, somebody killed 99 people. Can he repent? No. He often. The Prophet said, that became 100. He made it a flat, <laughs> a flat 100. But subhanallah, he, for whatever reason, he came asking, Who knows the most? Who knows the most? Who should I ask? I need to ask a question. Direct me to the most knowledgeable. Mm. He was directed to a scholar. Somebody who knew. A scholar doesn't have to be a rahib to answer his or her questions. But a rahib has to be a scholar to answer questions. You see something here. That the worshipper has to have scholarship to serve. The scholar, it's not a condition of ishtihad that a scholar is a worshiper. In fact, he may even be sinful. Because Islam appreciates academic prowess. Of course, he shouldn't be out, you know what I'm saying, like robbing banks and stuff, of course not, but in the sense of, in that. That's why Sheikh Ahmed Zarouq in Al-Qawaid Al-Tasawwuf it's a great book. He said al-faqih istaghni 'an al-mutasawwif, al-mutasawwif la yastaghni 'an al-faqih. SubhanAllah He said the faqih doesn't have to be a Sufi, but the Sufi has to be a faqih. Meaning to answer questions to give fatwa, to guide people. Now maybe Sheikh Zarruq would say, you know, al-faqih yastagni an yakun mu'aththiran, wal-mu'aththir la yastaghni an yakun faqihan. He would say a faqih can be free of being an influencer. But an influencer <laughs> has to be a faqih. So he was directed to this scholar. I'm going to make it quick, inshallah. I got babies at the house. I cooked dinner tonight, man. It was good. Mm-hmm. Salmon. I'm min Oklahoma. So he went to that scholar. The scholar of what? The scholar of Allah. Adam Billah. He knows religion well. He knows the contours of theology, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala calls these kind of people Rasikhuna fil Ilm. What does rusukh mean? To be grounded. So whatever, like whatever happening in society, of course that's going to impact us. It, 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 it lends for critical thought, but. Islam is very much about a theology of the middle. Vincent Lloyd, one of my favorite theologians, he's Catholic, or uh, sorry, he's Villanova. Um, He has a great, there's a podcast where he talks about the politics of the middle. We are a theology of the middle. And what that means is Sayyidina Ali said, we're not moved by it. Wherever the wind is blowing, we're not blowing. When you look oftentimes at our conventions, and I say disrespectfully because I know conventions are hard to pull off, and I I'm not trying to make any more enemies, but I'm saying this as a as a as a constructive thinker and someone who loves the community. Our conventions are always replicating what's popular in American society. It is not leading. It's not directing. It's reacting. That's my point here that the scholar has rusukh wa rasihuna fil ilmi amanna bihi min rabbina. The third chapter of the Quran, the first page, this word is used. Those who are grounded in knowledge, meaning they're like Sayyidina Adi, like a tree trunk, not the branch wherever the wind is blowing, I'm here, this is popular. Islam is not about necessarily a populist message. Islam is about saying the truth. And there's, that will draw the people. In a in a in a responsible way. So he goes to this scholar. فَأَتَاهُ. He goes to him and he says, you know, إِنَّهُ قَتَرَ تِسْعَةً وَتِسْعِينَ نَفْسًا فَهِلَّا هُمْ فَقَالَ نَعْمَ. He said yes. It is agreed upon. It is there is an ijma' on it. It's one of the few times where there is a consensus that somebody who kills someone, if they repent, their repentance, even privately. Inshallah is valid. It's between him and God. God can forgive and punish. But they repent like in their own heart. They know like if they truly repented. Maybe someone asked about Sayyidina Ibn Abbas. There's an opinion that says, well he was of the opinion that the qatil, the murderer has no repentance. We have to be careful. Because this narration of Sayyidina Ibn Abbas is when a person came to him and said, is there, a, is there repentance for the killer? he said no then later on someone came and asked the same question he said yes and they asked him, this happened to Abu Hanifa also and they asked him why two different answers? he said because the first guy was going to kill somebody <laughs> second guy wanted to turn back to Allah so the Mufti understands how to move how to formulate, understands community and also we learned something about this killer, he will kill you for anything like this person has some issues Right? Oh, I'm a very traumatized person. A lot of repression happened there. Like, you know, can someone repent? Nope. Okay, well, bye. Like, that's not why you kill people. So obviously this person has some serious, there's some serious trauma in this person. So the, the, the second scholar picks up on it. And that's why if you pay attention to the answer in Arabic, this is something in a rhetoric called il-tifat. il means to turn. In, in Egypt we say, lif, yamol, lif, You turn, lif, lif in rhetoric it's called il-tifat. what it means is the tense changes the tense does a U-turn and, and I used to hate this in the academy when I'm grading in papers and people do I'm like, you are not speaking Arabic I can't write that, but you know I was about to go in on this is another language but in Arabic it happens to teach a lesson like in Surah Al-Fatiha it happens all praise be to Allah the Lord of all things the most merciful, the most gracious master of the day of judgment you alone we worship that's a tense change it we went from third person to what? first why? because after I've recognized who Allah is, I have the right to ask him I've, I've admitted belief, Allah is Rabb Alameen, Malik, Rahman, Rahim. I admitted all those things so now, I'm in a place of dua, subhanallah same thing here so he asked the guy, فَهَلَّهُ مِنْ Can that person repent? He doesn't say, مَنْ He doesn't say to him, the, the scholar doesn't say to him What's going to stop you from tawbah? Even though he knows that's the killer. Why would he do that? This is, we, we learn this actually in the etiquette of the Mufti That sometimes if someone asks you a sensitive question Don't answer them directly Especially if it's in public. Like one time a woman asked the Prophet, says, do women have to make gusul if they have a vaginal excretion? And the Prophet said, if it happens to her in the Mu'ata, and they say, if it happens to you, for the, all those people in the room, it will embarrass her. So this is called what we say, Adab al-Khitab. How to talk, how to write, how to engage. It's incredible, man. The West told you and Orientalism told us, and white supremacy told us, and other isms told us, Islam is stupid, backwards, dumb, ridiculous. Look at this hadith, man, what you learn from it. And if you're in therapy, you can think about what this means also. How do you talk to people that may be traumatized? How do you talk to people maybe on edge? Maybe they want to be addressed. That's your call. But here he says, <laughs> What's gonna stop that guy from repenting? The way he says is very beautiful. Like, because Yahul Haul means like fas. Like what's gonna be a barrier between him and redemption? What will stop him from finding it? And here we see something from this hadith is really powerful because it says that what's popular may be stupidity, according to the scholars. What's knowledge, according to the scholars, may be stupidity, according to the masses. And that's why I've told you before, research most of the scholars you love in Islam, look at how they died. They died at people that were like, man, they're not, they're not, they're not down enough. Like, they're not down. Because, of course, scholars are meant to not only encourage us, but to interrogate us. This is their role. So he says to him something very nice, he says "Woman, man نَأْمَا وَمَنْ يَحُولُ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ تَوْبَةٌ Like, who? Who is there that could come? Wow. Who is there that could come between him and repentance? What a beautiful hadith, man. انطلق And then he says to him, go, because he knows it's him. But now he's in a position to tell him, because now he has what? He has a prescription to write for him. Ya get out of here, go go to such and such place فإن بها فإن بها go to such and such place because in that place there are people who worship Allah so worship Allah with them we learned a lot from that statement number one, a community can really really evaluate itself not vicariously living through people but people recognize that this is a place that I can come and change man this is a place I can find redemption this is a place that I can find growth man this is a place where I can develop myself ila wa go to this place and over there you're going to find people so we learn the importance of companionship man importance of, of, of as Sayyidina Umar sallallahu ila bil jama'ah There's no Islam without a group. And that now a community can begin to evaluate itself by how it helps in a beautiful way, in a seamless way, people become better. And that they're engaged in ibadah. Worship. Fa'aburi ma'ahum Worship Allah with them. That's the third lesson we, we, we take. That ibadah should be posited as a means for change in my life. This dude killed 100 people. Sorry, 100 people. And The shaykh is telling him, Worship can still impact you. Allah says in the Quran, prayer keeps away from evil. Fast, you will achieve higher الْحَجْ Don't argue, don't fight, don't debate in Hajj. خُذْ مَنْ بِهَا وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ Take zakat from them, to purify them. So you see now the five pillars of Islam are located in a way that impact us and improve us. One of our teachers used to say, if you go to the Hadra and you don't have any Hudur, What's the purpose of the hadrah? You go to a place to make dhikr and dua and everything, but then you leave and you don't have any. You don't feel Allah's, like, not feel. You don't feel a commitment to worship and ibadah, is a problem with you. Al, uh, Sayyidina uh, Abu Harith al-Muhasibi, al Shafi, used to say, If you want to know where you are with Allah, ask Allah where's Allah with you? It's not complex. So a community can then begin to evaluate itself. How do we, and that's where you, you have honest conversation with the community members, like, how do you feel when you come here? Like, how does, how does, how does the community help you? What are things we can improve on? And, and, and you know, you find most of the time people, when they complain about Muslim nonprofits, what do they complain about? Let's, let's be really honest. What do they complain about? Politics, everyone wants leadership. It's not a good sign, man. But do you find people arguing about service? Like, man, I really wanted to be the person who checked in on the elders in the community and Usama Ajur, you know, stepped in my way and took my Ajur. Have you ever seen that? Ever? I wanted to be the one who hooked up with new Muslims and made sure they felt welcome. No, I wanted to be the president. I wanted to be the Amir. That tells you why things are the way they are. I wanted to be the one who helps in certain areas or volunteers. So here he says, "In إلى ila كذا وكذا go to such and place, such and such place, فإن, uh, because in that place are people yabudun Allah." "Fi biha unasan." There's over there. There's people who worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. فَعْبُرِ مَعَهُمْ As a means to undo the corrosive impact of sin and trauma in the world around us. It's a beautiful hadith. Then he says, وَلَا تَرْجِعْ إِلَىٰ أَرْضِكَ فَإِنَّهَا أَرْضُ السُّوءِ." Then don't go back to where you came from because that's a bad place. People ask me why you didn't stay in Oklahoma. This hadith. I got history in Oklahoma, bro, ain't good history, <coughs> right, just, just what it is. Oh, um, man, you sold out the hood? Nah, I sold out my, I sold into my jannah, right. So sometimes it may be that I, and there's micro-Hydra, there's not even macro-Hydra, there's micro-Hydra. It could be my friends that I'm around. I gotta me, let me migrate from that situation. I, of course, should probably communicate with them. Right, say you know certain things you guys do. You know I'm trying to head this way. You heading that way. I respect it. You know I understand duality. I mean I get it. However, I got to do what's best for me. Certain situations where I may need to change my location. And this individual changing locality is important because probably in the place he came from, it's a lot of trauma, a lot of triggers that's why we say, if we really repent, we don't only, only repent from the sin, we repent from what triggers sinful behavior. That's real repentance. So now I've, I've created an extra layer between me and the evil. Right? So I don't make fudger on time for like 15 years. And I look at my 15 years, well, you know, 2000 I was playing Counter-Strike with the homies. And then, 2010, I start to get Netflix, you know, then Hulu, and then this, and then this and, this, and this, and this, this, now they got the new Call of Duty, except I'm not answering the Call of Duty. Call of Duty is the Adhan, bro. So then, like, let me look at that. So if I have this pattern of being up to like four o'clock in the morning, watching makeup tutorials, I don't know. I got daughters, I know what's going on. I got an older daughter. Then I wonder why I miss Fajr. So let me repent from that. Oh Allah, I repent to you from playing Call of Duty every day for the last 45 years till 3.30 a.m. I'm going to do better. And then what I do is I smash my Xbox. No, I just discipline myself. So then I've, I've now addressed the cause that leads to the problem. And then I also repent for the problem. So now I've created like, you know, we say double, double authentication. Now I've created double authentication in my toba. There's two layers to toba now. One is from the trigger. So next time I'm like, yo, man, this is on plan. playing. This is the new. Oh, no, I can't do that. It's after a Let me go to sleep. And then it's the actual missing of the act. That's important also in relationships. Oftentimes when couples fight, there are things that trigger that anger. Repent from that then addressed the, the outcome. So here, the Sheikh, he, he, he directs him to say, watch out for the triggers. That's a bad place that you're from, man. Then he left. He left until he got halfway there to the good place. And death came to him. فَاخْتَصَمَتْ فِيهِ وَمَلَائِكَةُ الْعَذَابِ And then the angels of mercy and the angels of punishment began to argue about this guy. Because Allah had not revealed to them his ending. So they began to argue. فَقَارَتْ مَلَائِكَةُ الرَّحْمَةِ The angel of mercy said, جَاءَ تَائِبًا مُقْبِلًا بِقَلْبِهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ Well, it's so nice, man. He said, جاء, he came ta'iban, repentant, muqbilan, accepting, bi with his heart, Allah, sincere." Yani, meaning his ikhlas and tawbah That's why and now we put it here because the chapter before this was what ikhlas, sincerity. So now we saw ta'iban mukbilan bi He came repenting and sincere. Said deal وَقَالَتْ مَلَائِكَةُ الْعَذَابِ إِنَّهُ لَمْ يَعْمَلْ خَيْرًا قط. The angel of punishment said, he didn't do any really good, man. The guy has done no good at all. فَأَتَاهُمْ مَلَكٌ فِي سُورَةِ آدَمِيٍ فَجَعَلَوْهُ بَيْنَهُمْ a hakaman, and then an angel appeared between him in the form of a human being. We talked about this, I think, before. that angels can come; angels can shape shift. But it's impossible for you and I to say who is an angel. Like at the gas station, I oh, man I saw an angel. No, you don't know what you saw, man. Stop that. You're not a prophet. Just relax, buddy. So uh, it's possible that we met some angels. Like, so gotta be very careful how you treat people, man. It might be an angel. You know so he says, and that angel was made as a adjudicator between them to settle the case. قِيسُ إلا He said, measure between the two lands, whichever one he's closest to, that's who he belongs to. It's close, like to you know, the bad place there you go he's closer to the good place there you go mm. and they did it and they found him closer to the land of the like the righteous people the land that he wanted that he, he set out for so then the angel of mercy took his soul there's another narration فَكَانَ إِلَىٰ قَرْيَةِ أَقْرَبَ That actually he was closer, narration says, and here we know these are embellishments of the, of the, of the Sahaba, right? They're narrated in the hadith now by, with the meaning, which is allowed. If the narrator is sahih, is an authentic narrator, they can narrate by the meaning. So here it says he was actually closer to the righteous land, like you know, like an arm's distance or so, shibran. How do you translate shibran, Sheikh? Yeah, like a hand's distance, like like a hand away. Hadith shibran wa shibran diraan wa diraan the Hadith of the It's Like a hand's distance between him and that place. The other narration: فجُئِلَ مِنْ أَهْلِهَا. So he was made from the righteous people. يَنَالُ مَرْأَ You be with who you love. The hadith. وَإِلَىٰ هَذِهِ مَا بَيْنَهُمَا فَوَجَدُوهُ إِلَىٰ هَذِهِ بِشِبْرٍ فغفر لَهُ SubhanAllah. Now the narration says Allah actually commanded the righteous land to move closer to him and the land of the people who were doing crazy stuff to move farther away from him. And they measured and they found him, he was closer, SubhanAllah, to the land of the righteous people. Now, um, the narration says he was pointed in that, that direction. But the, the, the beauty of this hadith, we took a lot of lessons, just like too many things to go back over. But subhanAllah, the importance of repentance and how. You know, the redemption is always there for people until they die. And that's between them and Allah. Of course, it comes with accountability. Right? He couldn't have done it and kept killing people. And he said, well, I, re- I repented. You know, well, one of the conditions of repentance we talked about is to what? To stop. So stop here. We're going to take a break. I'll, I'll, I'll let uh, Imam know, you know, when we're going to start again. Um, maybe 2023, honestly. Just because uh, I'm sure, unfortunately, my father seems to be uh, fading. So, you know, that's, that's, that's priority, man. Uh, even though that's su you know, Oklahoma, for me. But that's my father, alhamdulillah. Any questions? Uh, we'll take a few before we go, inshallah. And the custodians, we should all give them a tip. And the security guys on the way out, man. These guys are always staying late for us. Any questions or thoughts on the hadith? Yes, sir. Good to see you back. We're going to send a truancy officer after you last week. With mm-hmm. Sam, I was. Uh,